0: Get started this morning. I need a volunteer. I need a, a brave volunteer. Um yeah, Zach, sure. Come on. Yeah. Thank you for volunteering. Big hand for Zach, ladies and gentlemen. Good. Great. Come on. We trot on up. We've only got about 45 minutes. Um everybody. This is my friend Zach. And he is now going to recite for you. In order the books of the New Testament. Um. Are you ready? Are you ready? Go. I don't know. Matthew. 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 Mark. Mark. Luke. Luke. John. John Acts, Acts. Romans. Romans. First. First. Second. Second. Corinthians. Corinthians. Galatians. Galatians. Ephesians. Ephesians. Help him out if you know. Come on, everybody, help him out. <laughs> Ephesians. Philippians. Philippians. Wow. Keep Colossians. Keep going. Keep going. Come on. Colossians. See, you're in good company. You get, you're in good company because they don't know them all either. But that's exactly what I needed, was to catch you all off guard so that I can share some things with you. Big hand for Zach. Hey, I'm going to buy you lunch today. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> um, hey, thank you for trying to help us out this morning, Zach. But, but the reality, he, he wasn't wrong. And you guys aren't wrong. New Testament books start out, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matter of fact, if you turn to the front page in your Bible... Uh, maybe the second page, go ahead and do that. If, if you brought your actual Bible, you won't, you won't find this on your iPod, because it it's not set up that way. Um, but, but you can look and you can see the actual books of the Bible, okay? And, and that's how we learn them, starting with Matthew, ending with Revelation, specifically in the New Testament. And and that's the order. That, that's how we have learned them. But I'm going to blow your mind right now. Did you know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not really the first four books of the New Testament did you know I'm glad you knew that, Ms. Lillian. We have one person know that. That is good. Um, I think once you understand what I'm about to share with you, it may help clear up some things for you when we talk about the story, when we talk about God's Word. You see, a lot of people in our world say the Bible contradicts itself. They say the Bible, the Scripture is confusing... But the reality is, I think it's because of the way we have it put together. We being the people who years ago decided to put numbers and verses and chapters and put the books together in in, in kind of uh, areas like the same place like the Gospels and uh, at the beginning of the New Testament. It was good for, for memorizing Scripture. It's good for, for like a parallel comparison of what was taking place, uh, things like that. But the first book of the New Testament, chronologically speaking, as it was written, was actually James it was written around fifty A.D. Um, boy, that that messes you up when you try to go in in that order, you know, because it's not James Matthew; it's like James and Colossians. It's, it's just weird when I really looked at the chronological order how the books of the Bible were written. It, it it's really cool, actually, because I think that especially in the New Testament, when you look at the chronological order of the of the scriptures instead of the topical, if you will, it. It kind of shows us how it correlates with the expansion of God's church. I want to challenge you this week look up the chronological order of the books of the New Testament and, and look at Acts, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew and Mark are down at like around 60 AD or something like that. And, and it's it just, it's like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, so, anyways, it, to me, it's a clarifier of God's plan. It, when, when you look at it in, in a chronological order, it shows us God had a plan. Uh, it, it's convenient the way that it's written. I'm not trying to change the Bible, okay? But but look at it from a different lens and I think it kind of helps us a little bit. It's, it's a clarifier of God's plan. I want you to keep that in mind as we talk about Paul's mission. Sometimes we get to talking about things that happen in the book of Acts and we think, well, there's a contradiction there because I already read about something similar in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, but actually Acts came before Matthew, Mark, and Luke when the time frame that it was actually written. Are you following all of that? Because it can be confusing, but it doesn't need to be. But keep that in mind as you're reading through Scripture. When you see something that you think may be a contradiction, go back and look at when it was actually written, and I think that you'll see it's a different explanation rather than a contradiction. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for today, and I thank you for your word. I thank you that that your word is presented to us in a simple form uh, where we can understand it, uh, where we can apply it to our lives, where we can glean from it examples of, of how we can be a better reflection of you. I pray, Lord, that we'll do just that today. As we look at Paul, as we look at uh, the way that he lived his life, the way that he took on uh, some of the journeys, the the missions, the things that he started for you, uh, that we'll also have a desire to do that. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. A long time ago, a little boy was well—not a long time ago, a few years back. A little boy was asked by his Sunday school teacher, "Why is it important for us to be quiet in church?" And he responded, "Because people are sleeping." And and then his friend his friend chimed in without missing a beat. Not at our church, everybody's cell phone keeps going off, waking us up. Uh, Here's the point to that: We are pursuing the last few weeks of the story, and and I don't want to lose anybody to sleep or cell phone distractions. And so I want you to, to kind of make sure you're awake and you're ready to hear this because in my humble opinion, these next few stories, these next few weeks are extremely important as we've, we're looking at the beginning of the church. We're looking at the example in Scripture we have of how we should act as a church, how we should do things the way the New Testament church did. Um, and so I don't want you to sleep through that. And I don't want you to text through that. I want you to just really kind of hone in on this. I shared with you last week that, that God used Israel in the Old Testament to win people back to himself. And, and then how even though Israel failed many times, he used them over and over again. And then in the Gospels, we read about how God sent his son Jesus Christ to win us back by dying on the cross uh, and, and really solving that sin problem, that big problem called sin. And now in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament letters and epistles, we see God using the church, using us, to find His lost children and to bring them home. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And I want to start there. I want you to turn, and I know I said we're going to talk about Acts, but I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as we talk about being the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Just as the body, though, As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Do you hear this? You are the body of Christ. Each one of us is a part of the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ in the world around us today. We should be working together. We should be doing life together. We should be serving with one another. We should be doing things together. When we're assembled together, the church is Jesus. And when we're when we're to think like Jesus, we're to act like Jesus, we're to love others just like Jesus loves them. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 13 and 14. It says, For we are all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. And because the complete body of Christ is made up of many, we, all of us, the church, we are all commissioned, like Paul, to go into the world as witnesses to Jesus. You see, God wants all people in the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. We often quote Matthew 28,19 and 20, or 19 through20, when we talk about going into the world. But the reality is, when you look at Scripture, there are examples from Genesis all the way through the Bible, of people going throughout the world and doing it to bear witness to Christ or to God. Uh, for example, from Abraham. Abraham went into his world, and everywhere he went, he he bore witness to God. And in the same token, uh, Paul, everywhere Paul went, he was witness to Christ. And there are so many in between. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. He says, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, and then to the Gentile. Folks, I want to tell you some things about Paul. He did not only took his conversion serious, he took his challenge serious. He took his call. He knew without a doubt that God called him to advance the gospel, and he did just that at all costs. Let me take a moment for clarity here. If you are a Christian, make no mistake about two things. First off, you were forgiven for your sins, and Christ is preparing a place for you uh, in heaven for eternity. And that's an amazing thing. And, and Mark is now part of that, and that's an amazing thing. Um, but the second thing you need to know is, just like Paul, you have been called to advance the gospel. You have been called to do that. You need to know that you've been called to do that. If you're not doing that, then we have issues. If you're not advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ as a Christian, we have issues. You can't say, "I'm a Christian. I love God," uh, but then refuse to share him with people. I mean, you can, but you can't. You shouldn't. It's it's kind of like being married and keeping your wife and kids locked in a closet. That's what it's like. You know, is oh, there's Bill. See him at the office every day. He says he's married. I think he has kids. He never talks about them though. I he never brings him to the company picnics, come to think of it. He never shows pictures from birthdays or vacations or, you know, anniversaries with his wife. But I'm pretty, yeah, he can't be married. Wait, he wears a wedding ring. <laughs> okay, so maybe he is married. It's Kind of like being a Christian and just carrying around a Bible and never opening it to share it with somebody. You see, brothers and sisters, God has given us good news. It's good news that saves lives. We need to be sharing it. If you're married and you're, you're proud of your spouse, you're proud of your family, you're, if you're a grandparent, look at my grandkids. Look at these pictures. We should. How much more should we do that for God? You may think, I, I don't know how to share that. I, I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know how to share what God's done in my life. You're in luck because our God has a plan for that too. In fact, he raised up a point leader to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and show us how it's done. In case you're wondering, it's not me. I'm going to be very clear on that. It's Paul. Actually, Paul was first known as Saul of Tarsus. He, He was an unlikely candidate as anyone to become the world's first and most renowned missionary. How many of you read Acts chapter 9 this last week? Last Sunday I said, hey, everybody read Acts chapter 9. One. All right, good. Um, thank you. I'm going to have to preach longer sermons. If you're not going to read ahead, I'm going to have to read it to two. Two people. Okay. Um, you know, Acts chapter 9 is amazing because it, it talks about this. Saul of Tarsus was, was like the Osama bin Laden of his day. He, he was a Jew, he was raised to love God, to serve God, but he was so zealous. And so consumed with the traditions and the heritage of his faith that he was missing what Jesus had come to do. In fact, he hated Jesus. He hated the new church. And he was given permission to hunt down and imprison and persecute Christians. He even voted to kill Christians. Saul of Tarsus was a bad, bad man. He makes the worst of you look good. As a matter of fact, we find out in Acts chapter 22, he he stood there holding the cloaks of the men who stoned Stephen. Paul says that to people. This is how bad I was. I held their coats while they killed a man who loved Jesus. When the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Even Saul, who became Paul, was amazed that Jesus chose him as a missionary to the ends of the earth. He says that when you read about him, listen in, in 1 Corinthians fifteen, chapter three, verse ten. Or chapter, excuse me, chapter fifteen, verses three through ten. He says, "For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received." He, he's telling him right here: the first, the most important thing in his life, is to, to tell people what he received from Jesus Christ. And he, 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 the first importance. I'm delivering what I have been given to you. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he's talking about himself right here. He appeared to me, to also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Brothers and sisters, Christianity is not a works religion. I want to make that very clear. You don't get into heaven because of all the good things you do here on earth. You don't get into heaven because of all the, all the people you reach out to. That's not how we get into heaven. That's already been taken care of by Jesus Christ. But like Paul, because of what Christ has done for us, what Christ is in us, our mindset should be one of we get to go to the ends of the earth for Jesus Christ rather than we have to. We get to go to the ends of the earth sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he has done. Paul knows he's nothing without Christ. That's what he says as he writes to different churches. And that is what has enabled him to do such amazing things as a part of the body of Christ. He endured many hardships, beatings, prison, things that, that hopefully we will never have to endure as we tell people about Jesus. But he did every, he took all these things so that he could tell people about Jesus everywhere he went. In prison, he's telling the jailer about Jesus. After he's been beaten, he's telling the people who beat him about Jesus. After he was snake bit, he's telling the people who watched him be snake bit and didn't try to save him about Jesus. They didn't even offer to save him. They were like, ooh, you got a snake bit. There must be something wrong with you. And then he told them, hey, I'm going to live through this because God wants me to tell you about Jesus. Read it. It's in the Bible. It's there. I'm not making this stuff up. It's great. He endured these things. He he put up with all this stuff. And everybody who did something bad to Paul, he said, Jesus loves you. We don't do that. We think if somebody does something bad to us, that we're entitled to hate them. We're not. We're entitled to love them. Because Jesus loved us. He became, uh, and because of uh, he knew that God had called him, uh, that he knew what God had called him to do, not only did Paul put up with people treating him poorly and, and beating him in prison and all these other things, but he actually started ten churches. He wrote 13 of the 27 New Testament books. As I understand it, uh, the book of Galatians was actually written in correlation with what they call the Great Jerusalem Council, which you can read about in Acts 15, but only three of you will. Um, oh, sorry, too too soon? Um Acts 15, you can read about it. And what happened there, some of the Jewish leaders said that, that Gentiles had to do two things to become true Christians. They had to believe in Jesus and they had to be circumcised. They had to practice, not just physically, but they also uh, had to practice Jewish law. And the Jerusalem Council reached the conclusion that Gentiles did not submit to Jewish laws. The book of Galatians argues for the reasons behind that decision. And Paul taught the gospel everywhere he went and that's what we should be doing. I have a friend of mine as uh, a matter of fact, my best friend, his name is, is Kevin Terrell, and he says to me, you're the only preacher I listen to. And I, I tell him that's sad because there are better preachers. But he said, I said, why is it? He goes, because you teach the Bible and you believe it. And, and he's known me since ninth grade. He knows everything I've ever done. He knows, what I, he knows how I live my life now. He knows how, how my past was, how I grew up. He knows about my present. He knows the, the, how perfect and humble I am. No, I'm sorry. He knows that I am far from perfect. But, but he said, you're, you're a good reflection of what you preach and that's why I listen to you. Randy Frazee said someone told him something similar and his reply was, we have to be because the church, we should stake our lives on the truth of the Bible. If, if you're reading it and not living it, you're not staking your life on the truth of the Bible. If I'm preaching it and not living it, I'm not staking my life on the truth of the Bible. Folks, if you stake your life on the truth of the Bible, then we need to live like we do. Paul lived his life like it depended on the truth of God's Word. That's why he wasn't worried about being shipwrecked or snake bit or put in prison or beaten. Because he lived his life based on the truth of God's Word as it was given to him. He knew it was more important to live that way. Why are Paul's missions to the end of the earth, why should they be important to us? What Paul did, why should that matter to us today in 2015 in Huntsville, Alabama? Because at the root of us, most of us are Gentiles. And it's because of Paul's mission that we're invited to the salvation that's been offered. The book of Acts is our story. The Acts of the Apostles should be the Acts of our local church, should be the things that we're doing. The mission of the church is our mission to be Jesus to our Jerusalem, to our Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8, Matthew 28, 19-20. That's why the mission of Huntsville Christian Church is win, commit, grow and go. We want to win people to Jesus Christ, not just so we could say, oh, we baptized all these people. We want to win people to Jesus Christ that would become committed followers to him like Paul people who will grow in Christian maturity and in spirit. And if we do those three things well, then we'll have a desire to go into our neighbors, to see our neighbors. We'll have a desire to go into our communities. We'll have a desire to go into our schools, into our jobs, into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything Jesus has commanded. This week we've got nine people from Huntsville Christian Church that are in Honduras living that out. And I would like to think that while they were in Honduras that, one, we were all praying for them, but also that we were right here in Huntsville sharing the gospel with the people around us. To the ends of the earth starts in our own backyard. You're never going to get to a place like Honduras if you're not going to go across the street share with your neighbor. But it doesn't stop there. The church needs all hands on deck to accomplish this mission that Paul started many years ago. i got to tell you something. Some of you won't like this, but that's okay. Going into all the world is not a spiritual gift. To go into all the world is not a spiritual gift. It's a command from Jesus. Make no mistake. You'll need your spiritual gifts when you get there. But to go, the act of going, is not a spiritual gift. It's In its simplest form, it only requires that you have a physical plan, that you plan the trip, that you pack your bag, that you have your passport, that you are ready to represent Christ well and go. It's not a spiritual gift. If you can drive a car, you can go. South Carolina, North Carolina, some of our people went up North after tornadoes and storms last year. If you can drive a car, you can go. If you can drive a car, you can start going to the ends of the earth by way of the downtown rescue mission, Tuesday. If you can walk, you can go. Because you can walk to the next cubicle when you see that your coworker is having a bad day, and you can be a reflection of Christ. It may not be the most comfortable thing you've ever done, it's okay. You can still go. Speaking of comfort, when I came back from Zimbabwe, I had some issues with my feet because of the 20 plus hours of nonstop stop air travel. It took about three painful months to get things straightened out and for me to be pain free again. And my dermatologist that I finally got in to see asked me uh, as we talked about what caused all this and I told him it was the travel and circulation, blah, blah, blah. So we went through all this stuff and I had these sores on my feet and he said, hey, was it worth it? Was it worth it? I said, most definitely. He said, "Um, you plan on going back again? I said, I don't know when, but yes. He said, with your feet looking like that, you're telling me right now that you're planning on going back to Zimbabwe sometime, that you would endure that flight and do that again to come back to pain like this. And I said, yeah, knowing the pain and discomfort that's going to be waiting for me, I'll plan on going again. And his response was, well then, we better do something about that. He said, I'll help you, but you're going to do exactly what I say. And so we started a plan. My temporary pain, and here's the point, my temporary pain and discomfort pales in comparison to an eternity for people who are going to suffer without Jesus Christ. And and, and i got to tell you, I met some people, I met two people in Africa who knew Jesus because... My friend Michael Sykes, who's a preacher at Lifebridge Christian Church in Decatur, Alabama, went there five years before us. And when he went there, he went there with a message of Jesus Christ. And I met two men who were baptized believing Christians because Michael Sykes went to Africa five years before us. And when we got there, they were excited to see him. They called him brother. They called him friend. They thanked him for coming five years previous and sharing the gospel with them. Two people who had not heard the word Jesus ever before. I didn't think that was possible in our world. And I met these two guys as we went out to do some home health visits. It blew my mind. Was it important that Michael Sykes went to Africa? Let me tell you, if only one person accepted the message of Jesus Christ and acted on it, it was most definitely worth it. You can read about Paul's missionary journeys, and I hope you can see why they're important. I hope you can see why they matter. Because if Paul hadn't have gone, there's a good chance most of us wouldn't be here. You may say, ah, oh, you're, you're grasping for straws, but think about that. Somebody had to go. We need to go. When we read Scripture, it's not just, oh, that's a great story. We need to read Scripture to see how we can reflect what we read. If we're going to reflect what we read when we read things from Matthew 28... When we see the example that Paul who Paul was not, I don't think he was a brave man, but he wasn't afraid to face adversity for Jesus Christ. And I don't know what you're afraid of. I don't know what you're holding on to that keeps you from actually going. Maybe like Joe said, maybe it's your, your money that's weighing you down. Hey, you can leave it all right here. We'll help you out with that. Maybe it's your past that's holding you down from from going, from being what God has called you to do, Christian. I don't know. Maybe it's your your, your knowledge, your lack of knowledge. Maybe no one has actually explained to you what a Christian should do. Um, we're we're going to be changing that. A selfless plug. 2016, I'm preaching a whole year about secrets. You think about that. Because the Bible is full of them, but they're not secrets anymore because they've been revealed we're going to show you how to act, how to live, how to be. Because I don't want anybody to have excuses. My goal is to go to heaven and take as many people with me as I can. Not, not all at one time. All right. <laughs> but I want you to know. I want your friends to know. I want you to want your friends to know. That's got to be what we're about. And if you're not about that, then we have Problems. Because we have to be about God's work and about God's will in our life. That's the only thing that made Paul successful. Was when God called him, he knew what he was called for. And and he was ready to do it no matter what. So today is your your opportunity to, to start fresh. No matter what it takes, today is your opportunity to say, you know what, I want to be like Paul. If you haven't been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit it's open, I'll, I'll go put my shorts back on, we'll, we'll just do it, we'll line up. If you've got questions about that, the elders are here, they'd love to talk with you. If you're just struggling with something, if something's keeping you from answering that call, from doing what God's put on your life that you know you should do, and you're just not sure how to act on it, again, our elders are here, they'll pray with you, they'll begin some accountability with you in life. You're not alone. And that's the best part about being Christians is we don't have to do it alone because we've got each other and we've got Jesus Christ. And we've got examples all through scripture of how we can live this life and do it well and be a reflection of Christ. As we come to our response time, will you stand and sing with us and we respond to God's word. I love to see people respond to God's word. Come as you are. It's a great song for where we're at. and I'm glad you're all here. It's been great to be here with you all this morning, to worship with you, and to, to welcome Mark in as, as our new brother in Christ. I want to encourage you. Yeah. Um, but now it's time to go. I like that word. There's so much behind that, those two letters. Go. As you go this week, go remembering this. Remember what you've learned When you look at Paul's life and about his missionary journeys, he went, sometimes he didn't have anything to go with except what he was wearing, but he went, his needs were met. Don't let physical things keep you from going where God's calling you to go. Think on those things as you go this week because it's not just time for us to go from this place, it's time for us to go into our world and to make a difference. It's time for us to go into our world and be a reflection of Jesus Christ. You don't have to look far to find somebody who needs to know the hope that you know. You don't have to look far to find somebody who needs to know Jesus like you know Jesus. And you don't have to have scripture memorized. You don't have to be a biblical scholar. You just have to know your life, your mistakes, and what you've been forgiven for. Because that... That's a good story to tell. So don't be afraid to go and share. Will you sing this last song with us?